Good afternoon and welcome to the Healthy Indoors Show. I'm your host, Bob Krell, publisher of Healthy Indoors Magazine. Coming to you remotely from uh, Maryland today, so a little, little, little bit different setup, but not in the uh, IAQNet studios in Syracuse. Um, just a quick background here. I, I started my foray in this uh, IAQ industry a long time ago, back in 1987 in the air duct cleaning industry. Uh, a couple of years after that, a group of gentlemen got together, uh, actually gentlemen and lady, and got together and uh, formed the National Air Duct Cleaners Association back in 1989. Several months after that, I actually joined the board and had the uh, privilege of uh, spending 11 years uh, working with the organization. So it kind of goes back to my roots. And this is the preface for what the show is today. Um, fall, it's fall. And fall is uh, the time uh, where a lot of things happen. Um, it's not officially fall, but it's October 1st, so I'll call it fall. Um and one of the things that happens in the fall is the National Air Duct Cleaners, NADCA's Fall Technical Conference. So we'll be talking a little bit about that today. So to that end, I'd like to welcome our guests um, from the National Air Duct Cleaners Association. I'm going to go ladies first, even though I, I, you know, I don't know if that's necessary, but I'll do it anyway. The, uh, the uh, CEO of NADCA, the National Air Duct uh, Cleaners Association, uh, Jody Arejo. Hey, Bob. How are you? Good to see you again. Yeah, She's returning. And also we have with us the president of NADCA. Uh, I'm, Mark, I'm going I'm to get it. Mark Zetsny. Z- Z- no? No. Oh, man, that was brutal. <laughs> I was brutal. I know. <laughs> I'm looking at the phonetics. I'm sorry. Introduce yourself. You should have read the phonetics. <laughs> it's, a, it's a live show. <laughs> what can I say? Zarzachny. You know, I have it written down. Anyway, and of course, back back in the co-pilot seat, um, the ever-present um, provocateur, Joe Medosh, the healthy building scientist from Hayward Score. Hey, Joe. Greetings. Good to be back. I hope everybody's been uh, well while we've been away. And uh, yeah, today's going to be a hot topic. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, so it's it's interesting. Um, I mean, we'll we'll give you a promo right now. We'll talk more about it a little later on. Um, so t- tomorrow, um, kicks off NADCA's Fall Tech Conference, the 2020 conference. This year, for the first time, virtual. Right, it's an online conference. Um, I have a vested interest in it because Healthy Indoors is actually the media partner for it, and we're actually the host and the live streamer of it. So, uh, really looking forward to that. Uh, tell us, you know, I'll let you guys first off tell us a little bit about uh, what's going to be happening uh, tomorrow and Saturday. And we'll plug it again at the end. Sure. You want me to take it, Jody? You want to take it? Small Tech uh, is a great program. It's an an opportunity for technicians to get together uh, and uh, get education uh, through NACA, uh, get their uh, ASCS, which is one of our certifications, their system cleaning specialist, or the CVI, I'm sorry, certified ventilation inspector. And uh, tomorrow uh, will be the classes. Uh, so they can kind of study, get an idea of what the test is going to be all about, and then hopefully score very well to add to our legion of certified individuals in our association. It's day one. <laughs> okay. Uh, day and is, day two. Uh, day two is uh, used to be, well, uh, this year will be interesting because it is virtual, but it was a great time and it's a great time for Text to get together to listen to some wonderful speakers. Bob, I think you may be one of them. Uh, are you going to be a facilitator? I'm, I'm the host, so so I mean, I'll be running my mouth incessantly for eight yeah, hours. But an opportunity for them to learn uh, from some of the, the the greats in our industry about certain things that they go into every day, day to day. Uh, Joe, do you want to pick up on some of the yeah. offerings on Saturday? 
Yeah, so we're going to start the day. It'll be a live stream all day. So Bob, as he said, he'll be the moderator. He'll kind of be connecting the dots on all the sessions, keeping the attendees engaged. We've got 155 plus people registered, which is really outpaced our expectations. So we're excited about that. Uh, but we're going to have topics like um, uh, healthcare facilities, cleaning healthcare facilities, uh, microbial threats in HVAC systems. We've got Tom Licker from the American Bio Recovery Association giving a session, really tying together, you know, those kind of crime scene scenarios and how that can affect the indoor air quality and the, and the HVAC system and the air ducts specifically. So that also, we're gonna you know, wrap up the afternoon with that session it should be a really good one. And uh, so turnout, you know, it's, it's uh, being accepted. And, and, and I know we've had this conversation because you appeared on a previous show when we were talking with uh, various uh, organizations uh, in the industry space about, uh, you know, having indoor uh, or having online events, right, uh, versus the in-person events. And, uh, you know, the, the posture you had back in that of several months back was, uh, you know, kicking and screaming and NADCO, you know, not really eager to go there. What, what do you guys, uh, how, what made that change is if we don't know? Uh, the people that, you know, the registration numbers, quite frankly, and listen, we're, we're in a pandemic. We haven't, we didn't have a choice. It wasn't a proactive decision to say we're going to have a virtual event, right? We were kind of backed into a corner. The benefit to, to fall tech traditionally always is that you get that hands-on experience. You're cutting access openings, you're using the tools, you're learning from the experts in the industry. And so how do we pivot from that and create a virtual environment where um, there's value and, and people can get, you know, it's kind of a different takeaway than maybe is traditionally expected from that event. So by virtue of the pandemic and social distancing and lack of meeting space and all those good things, you know, we, we picked up the pieces and we put this together and we're glad to have you, Bob, partner with us to help us uh, get through the day. It's going to be a heavy lift, but it's going to be so much good material. So we're looking forward to that. Yeah, we're absolutely looking forward to it too. So Mark, so you're recently installed as NADCA president. I don't know the actual installation day. I've lost touch of what your board cycles are and everything. Sorry. You know, that's what happens after a 20 year hiatus. Um, but so, so you got installed as president uh, during a pandemic. Is that kind of a challenging time? I well, it was interesting. Annual was uh, held out in San Diego. Um, as San Diego was shutting down completely, uh, the streets were, were bare. Uh, I am under the impression we were the last organization to actually take out any space at the hotel we were at. Um, but we had implemented a few safety uh, protocols, uh, actually the hotel did as well, to ensure the safety of everybody that went there. We had record numbers at the, uh, at the uh, meeting uh, back in March. Uh, and then... I, when we got back from, uh, home after that, uh, they shut down America for the most part. So, uh, yeah, things that I would normally do in person uh, as president uh, failed to, to exist. So we had to implement uh, things rapidly in order for us to do our day-to-day -day operations in NACA. Association headquarters, which runs our day-to-day -day operations, we're all starting to re work remotely. Uh, I have to say that we didn't miss a beat in terms of what we needed to do to get uh, our membership up and running. Uh, our membership was affected adversely in the beginning as everybody was. Our first uh, task was to make sure that everybody knew out there that we were essential personnel. We were, we, we were very important uh, to a lot of people out there. Uh, some of our brethren out there, some of our members uh, did suffer greatly in the beginning. Uh, others never missed a beat. 
so in the beginning, quite you know, a few of us were working, uh, but uh, once we started communicating uh, with our membership what to say, what to produce as an essential uh, person uh, in order to do things, uh, our, we saw a rapid increase in our membership's ability to perform business. Um, over the past few months, some have struggled, but they're starting to see a return to, to normalcy. And now many uh, seem to be back on track and uh, making up for lost time. I mean, that was the follow-up question, really. Um, you know, the impact, I mean, is it, do you see like uh, membership numbers changing or anything as a result of uh, things happening right now? People scared and afraid to spend money on you know, associations? I'm sorry about that, yeah. We continue to grow. Um, our membership renewals were down, but they seem to be approaching last year's. We're just about, uh, Jody, about 3% down right now. Yeah, we're, right, we're approaching about 90%. And traditionally, when all is said and done after terminations, which actually are being run today, people have 10 days to finalize uh, their membership. So we usually see a good few percent spike. So maybe a 3 to 4% max decrease. But we're, remember, we're trailing at 95% renewal rate every year, which is like, you know, outstanding. So we hit 90, I think we're all going to be happy with that considering the situation. And 90% a larger number, Bob, I must say. We have more members this year than we did last year. So 90%, uh, it's not great as compared to last year, but we do have more members. You know, what's interesting too, is because I, I do follow this a little bit with, with organizations being kind of, uh, it, you know, an industry publication that we publish across, uh, you know, a lot of the sectors that your organization and many of the other organizations in indoor environmental serve. Um, and it does seem like you, NADCA in general has a pretty good percentage of engagement with their members at their events, right? The national events. I mean, some organizations are really struggling to even get people to come to in-person events. I'm talking prior to COVID. Uh, you know, that, that's, that's been a challenge for several years now. But you guys always seem to have uh, a decent, uh, de decent showing for your members. What, what do you attribute that to? Well, I, I think it's the content. I think that, you know, a, a big chunk of our attendants are, you know, the people who've kind of built this industry and have grown with it along the way. You know, you can see a lot of familiar faces um, that probably you knew about back in the day. And the Palazzolos, right? You can think back to Bill Spindler and all those guys like, that have been around for quite a I'm kind of hung over from that still, like, you know, yeah. 20 years later. But no, you're right. It was, yeah. so there was, a, there was, a, yeah, there was a culture. Yeah. So that core is still there and they're still supporting the industry and attending. And they, what they've really, what the pivot I think is that's happened is that the board has been more engaged with the attendee. There was a time where maybe they were unapproachable or at least perceived as such by the members and maybe a little intimidated. Um, and this board has been more proactively outreaching to attendees and members and, and being um, accessible. And so I think everyone sees that as an opportunity to come and learn and be a part of what's happening and as we grow. And plus, we pick really great locations. Who doesn't want to go to those locations, right? Where we have It's more like resorts. I mean, you guys are pretty much doing like uh, destination vacations. We're raising the bar, yes. <laughs> Joe, I, I know you. I know you're, you're dying to say something because you're, you're doing you're doing your side to side shuffle. So, <laughs> yes, uh, I'm, I haven't done my standing desk in, in uh, many weeks since we've been together. So it's kind of I'm used to standing again now. So I, one of the benefits that I have found about these new this new virtual world is that you're able to record a lot of the content that sometimes usually there's uh, simultaneous sessions or there's something I'm like, oh, I wish I could go to that. So I'm assuming you guys are recording um, these the, through Bob and have something that you can actually now distribute back out for people who 
couldn't make it that day or, um, you know, wanted to review what, what was, uh, you know, some, there's so much thrown at you. You're like, God, I need to watch that again. So is that something you guys are incorporating? Absolutely. So uh, we will be recording all the sessions. We'll be you know, making edits, making sure it's for the community, working with Bob on that. It'll be live in its existing format for about 30 days uh, for those that did register to attend. And then the, the, all the content will then be available in our webinar library after the event. Um, I want to ask you about your membership. What is the average age of your members? Because most of these organizations, they are you know, they're, they're retirees and they're still doing work and they're still your members, but how are you um, having some success getting younger people uh, into this industry and into your membership? Because they, if, they're, if they're young, they need to be a member because they need to learn from others who've been doing this. So if they're coming in and they're not getting that, then they're end up with a bad, uh, bad uh, path. So I was wondering, what, what are you guys doing to try and get younger people into your organization? Sure. So Mark, do you want to take that or do you want me to? Well, I'll take some of it. You want to expand upon it, but I mean, our, our social media base has grown exponentially over the years. We realized at the point uh, many years ago at the directive of the board, we needed to get out and reach younger people as we looked at ourselves in the boardroom, uh, getting a little gray. Uh, we realized that uh, what's coming up, how can we have more people get engaged that are younger and replace us as we, as we cycle out and uh, getting involved in social media was, was a great way of getting them in. Now we also have a lot of people that are second and third generation uh, owners. Uh, so they've been around for a while. So we, we do go after them. We do talk to them. We have communications with them and uh, they seem to be helping us out a great deal. Um, I just think some of the content that we put out there and the way we reach out uh, and we advertise and we, and we communicate has changed a great deal, uh, whether it's Twitter or LinkedIn or Facebook, uh, to name a few. I, I can tell you there's quite a few Facebook groups out there. And uh, looking at the people and the conversations I see on a daily basis, the majority of them are, are, are much younger than ourselves. And uh, that's the great thing. Joe, do you want to add to that? Sure. So we've employed a few tactics. First of all, we have a very um, specific, like marked approach toward people that we've identified as the future of the industry. And so, you know, maybe they're 25, 30 years old, five years into their career, but you know, you see that, you see that leadership, you see that spark, um, you see a person who's going to grow into who you want leading the association. And so we reach out to them individually. Every year at conference, we invite them to, you know, uh, are you a volunteer? We call it a meeting where we have existing board members there to speak about the experience and what it's like to be a volunteer on the board of directors, run a committee. We, two years ago, I believe, we, we launched a um, 30 under 40. So we had, you know, basically a recognition of all the people that are doing great things in the industry, uh, recognize them with an award on the stage and, you know, some good publicity. So just acknowledging who they are and making their face seen to the rest of the, of the association and the industry, I think is key. Um, you know, those are really social media, again, with, with the younger generations, that's where it's at and, and kind of changing our message a little bit to, to adding value and training and professionalism and, and adding credibility to a career that maybe I'm sure Joe you'll touch on hasn't had that in the past. I mean, the big, the big question I have too, is it, it does seem like uh, in general, I'm going to, I'm going to go out there on a limb and, and make a generalization. I mean, Duck cleaners in general, you know, we're not considered maybe the most forward thinkers in, in many aspects over uh, historically. I'm not, I'm not, not saying today necessarily, um, you know, in the IAQ industry, you know, you know, when we first 
you know, in the early days of Danica, that not very much respect for the organization. You know, there, there really wasn't, you know, among industrial hygienists, among a lot of, you know, a lot of the other organizations. And, and I, you know, I've seen that, that evolution and that's changed. I mean, and, and I think we started to change it in the 90s when we did the EPA research and you know, got, got engaged with the government. But um, again, I, to, to follow up on what Joe said, you know, are you finding that there's there's interest in the younger sector to, to get into this industry uh, on an ownership level or, you know, are, are younger people actually starting companies or are they just coming to work for other companies? I think it's a little bit of both. You know, I think with the franchise opportunities out there, it makes it a little easier. Um, and look, you, you remember the joke. I mean, anyone with a truck and a vacuum can be a duck cleaner, right? So a lot of people are starting out that way and then they're realizing like, this isn't going to cut it. I need to get the tools and the training and everything I need to be legitimate. You know, we're also working with trade schools in the area where we have our annual conference. We're inviting the HVAC students to show them. Um, we give them a host and we, we parade them around the exhibit hall. We let them sit in sessions and we show them that duck cleaning is a viable career path, you know, that it doesn't have to be all mechanical or, you know, all one way or the other, but this is another path for you should you consider it. And you're finding the social media responses. Um, are you getting, you're starting to get traction with that? And that, that's, I mean, you've been doing social media for quite some time, but now it's it's more of a primary focus. Is that- it's, it is, it's a, you know, we spend a significant um, amount of money on marketing purposely. Um, we have a Breathing Clean campaign, which is really targeted toward consumers. And that's really to build legitimacy in the industry to let customers understand, you know, what to look for should they have their air ducts cleaned? How do they know when it's time to have their air ducts cleaned? Uh, and then we market our general specification that really benefits our members from a different perspective in the commercial market. Um, so yeah, I think social media, any any of those touch points with marketing and providing science. I mean, we're, we're headed in a way that this organization is gonna start providing science that supports duct cleaning. And I think once we can really do that, we are, thank you, yeah, that looks great. Once we can back everything up with science, um, you know, we're in phase two of our energy study. We're, we have another one planned potentially for Italy to get a, a vast um, geographic swath of tests. Um, so I think we're going to cross a big bridge when we can bring that information to the market. And so your, your focus, you're bringing to the market. I just want to qualify that. Um, by bringing it to the market, do you mean you're bringing it to the, the other practitioners in the IAQ industry or bring it to the end consumers? Or both all of the above to you know energy companies to governmental agencies to all of that yeah so i am going to interject one of my questions so <clears throat> one of the most uh direct re- uh, challenges is that ducks leak and uh, especially commercial ducks they are actually intended to leak it's 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 you know they, they are not as tight as residential ducks have finally gotten but the leakage is also the what's causing so much debris and conditions to show up in them. That's why they need cleaning. So one of my uh, challenges for you as an organization is to embrace the testing uh, and uh, air sealing after you have cleaned so that you can make this more of a preventative, uh, even healthier condition. Because not only does, you know, the the debris and stuff get in the ducts, but the ducts cause super high pressure uh, imbalances in the uh, envelope. So it's a win-win. So I encourage you to figure out a way to embrace the other side of the ducts, which is actually, you know, leakage and air sealing as something that I think your members could gain a lot of, uh, not just insight, but uh, monetarily to uh, go beyond uh, the cleaning side. So I was wondering if you guys have that as a plan or is that something that you are um, thinking about including in some of your new standards? 
I think that's already happening, Joe, organically. Um, a lot of people have noticed that already now. I'm not saying that we've really pushed it too much in our, uh, in our association, but you know, people are walking around uh, when they're doing residential, commercial, duct cleaning walkthroughs and they have thermal imaging cameras now and they're uh, you know, moving the temperature lower. They're looking for uh, air leakage and other reasons for contaminants to either enter uh, the system or exit the system, whatever it may be. Um, I do see people, uh, I travel, used to travel a lot until COVID came around, but I, I was going back and forth uh, between the North and the South uh, to visit clients. And, uh, you know, a, a lot of companies and uh, myself included are giving people buckets of mastic and tape as well. Um, there are other companies out there that use proprietary products that are designed to pump through ductwork and uh, find those gaps and seal them as well. So uh, is everybody doing it yet? No, but quite a few are. And they're realizing right. that income as well, additional income. Yeah, I can actually say that word a lot. It's aero barrier, and uh, it's a phenomenal product because of what it can do. It, it gets to where your hand can never get. So they, they, there's still promotion. Do you have a sidebar promotion going here? Yeah, <laughs> if you want my franchise, uh, yeah, yeah contact me after the show. Uh, no, not at all. But, it, but but we know Bob and I. Are, I'm not at all afraid to say if you see something that actually is good, you can say it. If it's bad, you just leave it alone. But um, the the not great necessarily. Benefit, well, all right. So um, in general, it it is a benefit um, to those who have embraced that. It's a, it's a large investment, but uh, it does well. But it also includes handwork that people don't think about. That it's not just a bunch of goo flying through the ducts. There's a lot of work that has to be done identically to the duct cleaning so one of the things that people think of is that it's just some it's just some huge vacuum that you connect when the reality is there's a lot of handwork that has to happen with cleaning the registers getting inside those those openings there's a lot of places that it was not done well um that vacuum uh it only does a fraction of what you really need to clean absolutely what, what's interesting is um you know, now, right, in light, in light of the pandemic, uh, I think there's, uh, you know, an, an enhanced or, you know, almost on steroids type public awareness of indoor environmental issues. Now, again, it's being driven largely by the COVID, you know, the coronavirus. But do, do you see that, you know, first of all, I guess it's going to be a two-part question to both of you. Um, how has that changed, do you think, the marketing tactics uh, of, you uh, people in the industry and you know, providing these uh, air duct cleaning services, HVAC hygiene services. And is that something that's a short-lived thing, you know, for the course of the pandemic, however long that is, um, short-lived is maybe a, the wrong term, but, but, you know, or do you think there's going to be changes that are, uh, so, that are going to stick in the future? That's a tough uh, well, question, I'll, say, I'll, I'll chuckle about your, you know, how has it changed marketing? Well, for better and for worse, right? We've all seen those ads that are making claims that we know are ridiculous. And uh, with that, I'll hand it off to Mark because he's really the expert in, in the specifics of that. Well, I, I think what it's done is bring, it's brought indoor air quality to the forefront. Finally, uh, people are realizing that uh, they need a cleaner indoor air environment. And, and I think it's good for all of us here as well as the, the rest of the groups, there's so many of them out there that, that do so many disciplines that enhance the quality of people's lives in their homes and where they work. So uh, having this pandemic, I think has been a great benefit for the industry. Um, in terms of advertising, yeah, uh, you know, everybody sees a dollar out there. So there's a lot of rogue uh, tactics out there being utilized to grab people, uh, unsuspecting uh, consumers, 
And um, I don't think that's right. I don't say that, I don't believe that our industry, our association, our membership are doing that. But I, as soon as a pandemic hit, you could see the advertisements. Everybody all of a sudden knew how to sanitize and, and, and disinfect and throw chemicals in ductwork and make everything miraculously healthy again. And everybody was an expert, but uh, most of those people didn't have certifications or even the insurance to back it up. Uh, so it's been a... Uh, I think a benefit, I think it's helping our industry grow, but I think there's a lot of people that are doing damage to a lot of people out there as well. And I think what happens, you know, with the conversation we're having today, even, you know, you're, you're here representing NADCA, National Air Cleaners Association. You represent, I would wager to guess, maybe 15, 20% of the, or, of the tire duct cleaners in the United States, maybe more, 25%. I mean, somewhere, right, right somewhere around there. Pretty good, right? Yeah. Um, so, um, so the thing is, is the, you know, the ones that you don't represent are, are often many of the organizations that are, you know, adversely affecting the branding of duck cleaning and, you know, then following down probably doesn't, you know, it's something you have to fight, isn't it? As an organization to try to, you know, get rid of the stigma of the people with the 400 power duck mites, uh, enlarged in their ads and things like that. <laughs> Yeah, well, I think it's education. I think it's, you know, the Breathing Clean campaign has a lot to do with it. I think that our marketing manager, that uh, her sole task is to reach out to the decision makers out there, specifiers, engineers, architects, building owners, getting our documents in their hands to show them that, you know, hey, we're not just this fly-by-night industry. We're a well-thought-out, well-oiled machine uh, that is legitimate. And uh, I think uh, that has really kind of separated us from a lot of the pretenders out there. Yeah. yeah I mean, whenever I, when I talk to somebody, so sorry, Jody, go ahead. No, I was just saying our standard, you know, we still stand by source removal. You know, that's the way that you clean the ducts, right? So spraying magic potion in the ducts is not the way that we uh, like to have our members promoting their th their business. And we have an ethics committee, right? So people, members, consumers, they make complaints, you know, whatever the complaint may be, the ethics committee will investigate it. And we have a process, you know, that we will follow and it doesn't always end up, you know, in favor of the member. Sometimes there are members who maybe not on purpose, but they're confused or they're uneducated or they haven't read our white paper, right, on chemical product applications and HVAC systems. And so, you know, they just think, oh, this is a, this is a sanitizer. I'm going to sanitize your duct. You'll be fine. And it's a, you know, it's like gold in the ducts for them. They have a whole new, a whole new way to sell. Yeah. Well, it's been a it's been a value added that many companies have tried to use for years. I I, I was like a staunch opponent to that right from the start, and and you know probably more than once, you know probably they wanted to uh, you know burn me at the stake while I was in NADCA because I, to me I, this whole thing of why are you spraying chemicals in the indoor environment unless there's a specific reason you're treating something using a specific chemical for that. But to say oh we're gonna you know for an extra twenty dollars we upgrade and we sanitize your ducts is like why don't you just clean them you know. <laughs> Do your job. You don't just spray chemicals in there. Generally, generally. Yeah, my father had his ducks cleaned um, a couple months ago, and um, he goes, "Oh yeah," and I up, I did the uh, two hundred dollar upgrade and got them to spray that antimicrobial stuff in there. And I'm like, "Oh my god, dad, my dad, don't you know what I do at all? I could have given you some advice. <laughs> cleaning your ducks was a great thing, but you didn't need that extra two hundred bucks. It's like you know, getting your car, you know, the bottom, you know, uh, protected from rust. It's like you know th that that died. So unfortunately, but you're not the only industry that has that. I mean. The, uh, the 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 mold group, man, they're way more into this, you know, uh, spray it and leave it, 
um, concept. So uh, at least you guys are cleaning it and then you're trying to do something afterwards. So if they can get rid of that, they, at least they've cleaned it. So a lot of people don't even clean the mold off. They just spray this junk on it and say it's dead and walk away. So um, yeah. at least you guys are doing ha half the job. So you know, those people. So, right. So, but I mean, what, one, of the things, go. Well, one of the things with chemicals too, is, is that you have to, I think you do have to delineate that because they get lumped together and there's really two different things. There's things that you're using for antimicrobial, which are going to be products that have to be registered under EPA's FIFRA. And, you know, and in many states, you have to be a licensed pesticide applicator to even apply those. And so, not many, but some states, I should say. Um, but then you've also got, you know, the coatings, the, uh, you know, the products that, you, that are used to stabilize internal liner, fiberglass liner, um, which some of them have antimicrobial properties. I get that. But, but their primary purpose is to stabilize fiber release. And, and I know in the beginning of NADCA, right, in the, in the beginning, there was this thing about anti-gluers. And I came to the first NADCA conference in 1990, and I literally was, was almost burned at the stake out there you know, in, in uh, Phoenix, because we were already for four years spraying encapsulants on fiberglasses. We were doing commercial systems. And they're like, gluer! I'm like, no, we, we actually clean. What kind of truck do you have? We don't have a vacuum truck. We have portable HEPA equipment. What are you talking about? It's like, yeah, we built our own. You couldn't buy it yet. And it's like, yeah, we were running cameras and robots through ductwork it, but the point being is that and i'm not trying to it's all great things we did because they were doing that in the eu way before you know way before way before the eu so so do, do you find that there's an issue where you have to delineate those things you know like the difference between people spraying chemical sanitizers add-ons versus actually doing things that you know are mechanically resurfacing internal liner I mean, Bob, there's a, a time and a place for chemicals and they're you know they're certainly good for components of the system at the end of the day, though, uh, the, the applicator, whoever's going out there and pushing this stuff, has to read the label. And if it isn't specifically made or registered for use in ductwork, on ductwork specifically, then, you know, you, you shouldn't be using it. So read the label. See what it says. If it says components of the system, well, you know, that, that might be the blower. It might be the, you know, coil. It may be a, a vent cover. But... Uh, is it ductwork? No, it's not, you know, it doesn't say ductwork. So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, people have to be very careful out there. And I think the majority of our membership is. Um, at the end of the day, listen, if you're at a huge building and you start sanitizing or you say you're deodorizing even, you don't know what those chemicals are going to do to certain people. And then it, all it takes is one lawsuit to learn a very valuable lesson. So uh, you got to be careful with that stuff. I want to go back to your call. Oh, good, Bob. No, go. no it's okay. Uh, right, so. new topic. So, <laughs> pardon me. One of the things that the EPA had was a study that wasn't very favorable about you know duct cleaning because they didn't feel that there were some benefits, mostly health benefits. So, I, I think that that needs to be re revisited. So, you guys were talking briefly earlier about the science. You've got um, a couple of standards out there. Um, can you give us some uh, some of the concepts that you think are are missed or the industry still is not really adopted as to why? Uh, the air you're breathing, which is moving through this ducts through a variety of devices, um, is needs to have a, a much better uh, attention in terms of it being uh, maintained and clean. So what are some of the things you're trying to push forward as the, the missing science that needs to come back into your industry? Well, I, you know, I, I think that it's out of sight, out of mind. And a lot of people tend to react and be proactive about what's going on. So again, by uh, what we're trying to do on a daily basis is push it out there and educate the public as to what's going on inside the ductwork. Um, again, the Breathing Clean campaign not only uh, cautions uh, our, our 
consumer about the potential mishaps of hiring a, a bad company, uh, but it also educates them as to what's going on inside the ductwork. Um, so, you know, that's one of the, one of the aspects, uh, as from, a talking to my brethren in the association, you know, what we're doing is we're actually showing the customers what's in, going on inside the ductwork. And, you know, it's not only on a return side before it's filtered, but on the supply side, it's downright filthy. And, uh, you know, certain ductwork that's made, you know, I've worked on every type of ductwork. I think that's known to mankind now, uh, I, I can tell you, ductwork that's designed to be uh, have anti antimicrobial properties. Uh, sometimes you see the worst contamination on there. So it's it's about showing uh, people what what's going on, uh, as well as just saying well, you know, your ducks are going to be you're going to be healthy. Yeah, I did a, a study for something else, and the the antimicrobial anything, whether it's a material, whether it's an add-on, so far has been found to be ineffective, uh, almost bluntly, uh, as well as it actually has health side effects that are actually impacting the occupant. So, you know, th th this whole antimicrobial stuff has really been, you know, uh, a wash for what really, you know, it's in the name, so people think that it do does something, but it's actually it's the opposite. So the, the thing is, is that its effectiveness is is a lot of times blocked. Even products that do work, you know, coatings that, that are good, is, is as soon as you have organic material build up over the top of it, you're no longer that that coating. I don't care if it's the best, uh, most effective antimicrobial coating in the world inside of ductwork. If you put you know uh, an eighth of an inch of debris over the top of it. That you're going, you've got a, now a new matrix to grow uh, microbes in, and moisture travels through the ductwork, comes off the coils, and boom, it's a great mix. So one of the things that uh, we I mentioned earlier is that we have um, more regular homeowners who are catching these shows or catching out of the magazine and stuff. So, um, and I work with uh, some military families that just have horrific stories about how their uh, homes, you know, duck cleaned and, it, it, and they show me pictures and tell me what they did. And you're like, wow, that is so, so they're, most of those people are, are, they're not certified, but if there were just, you know, three things that if I was a, if I was a homeowner and this you company was homeowner. coming, I am a homeowner. You're right. I, am. I used to be a renter for a long time. So I am, yeah. so I will not even pretend to be a homeowner. I will state I'm a homeowner and I'm having somebody come to clean my ducks. What are, like besides having somebody who's NACA certified and following a standard, what are, what are some things that I could identify that this person um, is a trusted source? I, I, I think they can actually do a great job and I'm willing to pay them what they're worth. Well, I mean, look at, look at their experience. How long have they been in business? Uh, do they have the licensing? Do they have the insurance to, to do what they're doing? Uh, are they willing to show you what they're doing? Uh, everybody, it's, everybody can get a hold of a camera to show you what's going on inside the ductwork and, 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 you know, talk to friends that may have had a, a company come in. Uh, are they uh, exercising caution when they're going through the home? Are they using proper containment protocols? And what do I mean by that? Are they at least throwing plastic down in areas that are going to get dirty? Uh, uh, do they look professional? Uh, are they dressing well, not with a suit, uh, not with a suit and tie, but appropriate. Uh, yeah. You know, are they, yeah, exactly. Um, are they telling you what they're doing? Are they using chemicals? Why? Are they using chemicals? Um, you know, I be very cautious about some of the chemicals that uh, people are trying to pump in the ductwork. You know, so are they taking the time to clean the ductwork? If they're in and out an hour, that's not cleaning ductwork. You know, um, it's it's many hours to to do it properly. So there's a few things. Um, I, do you have about fifteen hours on this podcast? 
I keep. Well, I keep we have all the hours we want, but we can't. We can't do it in one show. Gotcha. <laughs> it's also important to make sure that uh, the contractor specifies which components they're going to clean as part of the service. So, you know, are they going to are they going to clean the supply and return, the coils and drains and, and registers, or are they just going to stand there with a vacuum and blow air through your ducts? Right. Containment. Mark mentioned that. Uh, make sure they're using agitation and vacuum collection while cleaning. That's really important. Um, and ask them to confirm again about the chemicals because if they have, if they are spraying chemicals, they should be providing you with a safety data sheet. You know, for homeowners, um, we do have, you know, um, what to expect when you have your air ducts clean. We have like an infographic that consumers can find on our website. It's actually very informative. It gives you step by step. Um, you know, make sure you ask for insurance too. That's another important one. I think one of the one of the big things too is that um, and and again I, traditionally and I'm, I'm not picking on NACA members, just saying the industry in general, especially in the residential side, because I, I so I've been involved in the commercial side forever, right? I mean, since the '80s, and uh, there seems to be a there's a different level, obviously, of of understanding from a commercial generally with a commercial client versus uh, a residential client. You agree with that, Mark? Right? I mean. Absolutely. You know, it's, I mean, they understand mechanical systems, you know, a facilities manager pretty much knows what's going on, how systems work. So it, it's, it's a little bit harder to pull the wool over their eyes in that regard. But still, you mentioned earlier, Mark, as far as the site unseen issue, which is right. That's always, that's always been kind of an issue in the industry, but now with more uh, readily available video assisted equipment, you can show a lot more of the inside. Are you seeing that in, in your membership? Are, are companies really using, uh, you know, video cams and uh, devices like robotics and things like that more than the past? Uh, absolutely, Bob. I mean, even just using a regular, you know, camera on the back of your, your cell phone, you can get right in uh, to look at a lot of things. Uh, you know, at our uh, annual meeting, um, you know, they're probably the busiest tables. Uh, the, the people that are the vendors that are showing the latest and greatest in terms of how to look in the ductwork, how to clean it with a camera, robotics. Uh, these are all very important things to utilize now to, to make, you know, make sure, A, oh, well, do they need to have the ductwork clean, right? And then B, if they do need to have it done, uh, why? And then how does it look like afterwards? So more customers want to know what are they getting for their money, out of sight, out of mind, but they really want it in their sight so they can see and get their real tangible uh, effect from what they're getting. I just, I think of you guys as more like a dentist. Like, uh, I, I, I have to trust you that whatever you're telling me about my mouth is accurate. Cause I, I can't see it. So, yeah. Oh, even well, dentists, uh, they, the they, dentists they, have video cams now though. Yeah. You get, you get yes. to watch them drilling your yeah, teeth. Not all of them do, but yeah, some of them do. So yeah. Right. Yeah. Dirty, yeah. You can smell it. So yeah, they're very similar. Not a pretty sight. <laughs> but, but you know it is interesting i think the consumers are more at risk to being run through the ringer than a commercial facility you know and certainly you know the stakes are higher in commercial maybe but uh i, I think you're going to have a, a general consumer is really you know how what what are you doing specifically as an organization to get to these general consumers to uh give them you know the ability to be informed and make informed decisions when they do these purchases and evaluate whether they're getting taken for a ride yeah, I mean, that's, you know, probably if we had a three-pronged approach, that would be one of the three. And again, we go back to the Breathing Clean, Breathing Clean campaign, which we launched in 2015. And it really came out of the anti-fraud task force, which is in place, you know, to fight these scammers who are out there ripping people off and upselling people like Joe's dad, you know, for things they don't need. And so Mark actually heads that task force. And 
We've um, built relationships, Mark personally, with every attorney general in the, in the U.S. He's reached out to all of them, had conversations. Uh, same with the Better Business Bureaus in many, many locations. We, you know, we will sometimes get calls from the attorney general and they'll ask us about, um, there you go, breathing clean, thank you. They'll ask us about a certain member and what their qualifications are, do we have any complaints, et cetera. Uh, we'll also take those complaints when we find them valid and we do send them on to the, the local BBB or um, you know, to the attorney general, if they're really egregious, that doesn't really happen too often. Um, but this breathing clean, you'll see the homeowner's guide here. We're really just trying to educate the consumer. Like it, I'm sure every duck cleaner would love an educated consumer, at least every legitimate duck cleaner, right? Uh, so we're providing them the tools. Um, you know, this checklist is just one example. We have uh, blogs that we post, uh, I think twice a month, consumer and trade blogs, and just more information. And we touch on everything from allergies to energy efficiency, you know, across the board, all the reasons why you should and what you should look for and what you shouldn't allow to happen. Mark's been on Dateline, I think, and Inside, Inside Edition twice. Yeah. The house, the undercover sting. So he's been. Uh -huh. Yeah. The last one was interesting. Of course, there was a guy in the uh, attic watching uh, videos on his phone, just with the vacuum on, you know, not actually cleaning. So, you know, we're out there and we're just trying to, you know, we, just make headway in more mainstream locations. We were in Real Simple Magazine last month and Food and Wine Magazine, getting mentions there, and really pushing people back to the Find a Pro directory. You know, the goal is to get people to hire our manager members. And, and I will add that we are our media partners now, Healthy Indoors Magazine and you guys. So we're looking to get more, more content and information from NADCA that we can help share with our, our readers globally. So. That's uh, that's again. I, we're all. I think we're all on the same uh, on the same team as far as trying to get information out. Because any credible contractor actually wants an informed decision-making consumer, whether it's a commercial or a residential client. Right? You agree with that? Because if you're doing the job right, you actually want people to know that you're doing the job right. <laughs> it's important. So, uh, we so we've got we've got the online event coming up starting tomorrow. Um, but you have, you know, your bigger event, right, is your your annual conference, uh, which is, you know, the actually quite a great, anybody who hasn't been to that, it's quite a great production. Um, it used to be decent back in the day when I was there, um, you know, over the years. But I, I got to honestly say, you know, the last few that I attended uh, were amazing since, since your uh, management company, you know, has become the management company for NADCA, Jody. Um, it just seems like it, it's been a level, like, you guys have the quality of a show for a much larger, much more, you know, financially large organization. Thank you. So it's, yeah. And it's very good education, you know, so it's a good time and uh, fun. Thank, Thank you. you. So what do you do? Mark is chair of that committee, so. Oh, you're chairing it. Well, you, so I had the chance of doing like three of those back in the early days in the 90s. So I, I, I feel your pain. It's so, what, so what are you going to do now? I mean, the thing is, so... Are, are there any thoughts? I, I guess probably the next two days have a lot of bearing on uh, what, what you're going to consider going forward. But what are the thoughts for for an annual event now? Well, I think we're going full for, full ahead on having one that's going to be in person. Um, we're going to be having in Fort Lauderdale this year. Uh, we're going to actually have a board of directors meeting in Fort Lauderdale in two weeks uh, to t take a look at the site, see what it's going to be all about. Um, we're really hoping that um, things go away or get better uh, so we can have it in person uh, because we do have uh, great content that's coming up. Our, uh, our volunteers on committee have been working very hard getting uh, content together for it. 
um, and things are looking very promising from that respect. So we'll have everything ready to go. Um, I know that we do have a plan B, C, and D, uh, which, uh, of course, Jody and her team are working on. And, of course, uh, that adds a lot of work to their table. But um, one of the things is being able to plan for this. And, you know, if it does come to a virtual event, I think looking at the success so far of the attendees that are registered for this next event, two days, uh, I think we're going to be able to handle it if it comes to that. One of the things that I'm waiting to see is <clears throat> you get so many people that uh, don't have the budget to travel don't have the budget to do certain things or don't have the, the time really to, to go away for those. So I, I enjoyed going to those kind of conferences, but I can see now the, the logistics that come into play. So I would encourage you to figure out a way to do a, which nobody's been able to successfully do yet, is a combination of, all right, we have people in the audience and how do I now combine that with a, uh, a live feed? Nobody's successfully of, done it. You have people in the audience for your, your events? Why don't uh, go to all IQ your and events? IQ and energy, you spoke at it. Oh, yeah, right. Okay, so, so there, there is an exception. Dude. Sorry. <laughs> um, I guess they've been doing it for so long that I didn't even think about that as the new concept. So, But the difference is, is that those that's a live feed versus actually people interacting uh, for the most part. Exactly. So there is some there. that, But but there is this. One of the things that I, I've uh, enjoyed is when I'm presenting is that there's this constant chat in the background. I can see what people are thinking um, while I'm presenting and getting questions so I can try to address those or include those um, as I'm presenting. And I said at the end, everybody's got hand goes up and you're trying to figure out a way to salvage something in three minutes. But the difference is that there's a dialogue that even the attendees are getting. So there's like little bubbles popping out of everybody's head that you can see like, oh, you know what? This is another resource for what he just said. And there's just a great uh, background content. So I'm hoping that, you know, that's something that we can figure out a way to do in the future when we do live events um, in terms of trying to integrate the collective knowledge of what's in the room and uh, what's online. Yeah, absolutely. I, I would say stay tuned for that because the, they're that stuff's all in the works okay. <laughs> like a lot of it but here's here's the thing that's interesting though i think because the whole concept of hybrid and interactivity um i mean i i envision that we're going to have live in-person conferences where you're going to be able to get speakers now some of the speakers perhaps that would be really hard to uh, international speaker to get them to your conference maybe they couldn't time it but you could you could live stream them in real time and they could interact with the audience in real time by again doing this type of interactivity two-way where there's a camera on the audience and the presenter can actually see his audience from afar and we've been doing live training forever and you know that's that's not a new model but i think we're going to see more of that and would you what are your thoughts as far as like i i know that nadco wasn't attuned to you know or really interested in going online uh prior to the the pandemic but has do you think that shift with the pandemic makes it more palatable now for your members I think we'll see. I think that we're, you know, what, what you gain from the virtual experience is some of what Joe touched on is, you know, the people who can't either afford to travel, uh, afford the time to travel, you know, they're willing to sit down for a day and watch some sessions. So you may, you make it a whole new group of attendees that hadn't experienced your association before. And that just increases the engagement of your membership and potentially adds new members. So there is value there. Then you're going to get some people who are just never going to sit in front of a computer for a day. Right. And so they're, you know, that's why a hybrid, you know, is kind of ideal. If you, if you feel safe and you want to travel and you want to be in the room, you, you go and you participate in person. Um, and in the future, when we don't have social distance guidelines and everyone is safe again, you know, I do think the hybrid model is here to stay. 
it, it definitely offers some opportunities. Like I think of companies um, that have a lot of employees, right? And maybe the principals or the high management are going to come to an event like yours, an in-person event. But, you know, most companies aren't going to bring 10 employees and fly them out to, a, you know, a high-end hotel. They, they can't afford to. I mean, it's just way too much expense. So, you know, like maybe there's that opportunity to have like, you know, you have the principals still go there and do what they would always do at a, you know, at one of your in-person events. But now they have the opportunity to also get some of that training and the CEUs for their their employees without having to fly them somewhere. Absolutely, absolutely. So I want to switch. Uh, it, we're we're not there yet. I'm not ready to do a. a you scared me. It's like 149. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, but let's promote the um, the membership concept. So, why is it that? Um, you know, I, um, you know, I, I'm on some team that we've been doing duck cleaning for four or five years. Why is it that I, um, I should join or become a member? So why don't you explain what it is that I would get from my membership or why it's, um, th th there's something there that's worth uh, that investment. Well, we have a long list. I, maybe Jody has it in front of her for all I know, but we have a, a membership committee, uh, that it's, it's all about coming up with benefits. So, uh, you know, from, from the educational aspect of our association and, and the legitimacy of our documents that are out there, uh, they stand alone. Uh, just those two options, right? Two, two examples right there stand alone in terms of why you should, you would want to become a member. Um, you know, any, any time you look at uh, the majority of commercial work that comes out, government work, our standards and specifications are, are right there. In front of you, and they just about require that you you have NACA membership. So uh, it's a, th those are just three. But Jody, I mean, we must have I think we counted twenty eight to thirty eight different membership benefits as well. <laughs> I think you know, in the interest of time, I mean, the down and dirty is kind of what Mark touched on. You know, we have a dedicated staff member promoting the general specification. It's now in CSI three part format. It's easy plug and play. Uh, that specification requires a NACA member um, and ASCS actually be responsible for the job. So the more and more that we work with this dedicated person to get that bids in every spec, um, to get that language in every spec, the more and more you're not going to even have an opportunity to bid on work unless you're a member of the association or have your ASCS. So it maybe we call it a golden handcuff, but you know that's our mission and we're not going to stop because it's important for us to drive business to our members. And so we do it you know, the, to our members doing commercial work, the general specification would be, you know, that effort in itself is probably the best benefit we can offer. And for those doing residential, it's, you know, driving people to the find a pro, it's educating the consumer, making sure they hire a certified person, making sure that they understand um, everything that goes into duck cleaning and, and why they should choose a specific company, and then promoting our members out to those people. Can you elaborate briefly on the, the certifications that you guys offer so others who are not familiar with that understand the, those levels? Sure, Mark, can you take that? Sure. So we have the ASCS, the Air System Cleaning Specialist uh, certification, uh, which uh, every company must have at least one on staff. A lot of our companies have many, 10, 20 of them on staff. And that certification uh, is one that proves the, the individual's capabilities at uh, being able to perform duct cleaning at a higher level, the best level for the end user. Uh, it's not an easy certification to get. It's 150 questions. Uh, we have probably thousands of pages of documents out there that uh, a person would really have to go through in order to, 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 to pass a test and, and get a reasonable score in order to be one. 
And uh, then of course, they're going to have to maintain that by, by getting uh, CECs uh, as a result. Then we have the Certified Ventilation Inspector, which is uh, an advanced certification. Uh, and that goes more into the commercial field uh, where uh, an individual with a certification is, is showing that they're capable of going through a project and looking at all aspects from meeting the client to designing uh, a protocol to seeing it through, to documenting it, to providing an incredible report uh, to the customer at the end. Uh, I'm oversimplifying it for the sake of time, but these certifications, uh, our ASCSs are growing by the day, by the week, and our CVI has had a, an incredible, uh, it's been brought back to life, if you will. We saw it kind of drop off, but we have a committee that was really working hard to push it, and a lot of members are finding that they're making a lot of great decisions, but making a lot of money off of the CBI as well. Excellent. Yeah, to go clarify, ahead, the certifications are not, you know, a bunch of uh, duck cleaners sitting in a room writing questions, right? So we do work with a third-party psychometrician who work through an entire job task analysis and um, item writing workshops. And so the, the legitimacy of the questions on the exam really are tied directly to the work that you're doing in the field. So. I think people can have um, like a, re a restored faith in that the qualifications we're teaching, um, you know, are valid and important. Well, that, and that has been the case since the uh, the origins of the ASCS when we launched that back, and I think it was ninety. I'm going to say ninety five. <clears throat> I'm not sure it was ninety four or ninety five, and we started with a psychometrician back then. So it was it, that's always been kind of a gold standard. And I, I've, it's, it's been interesting in my career, you know, having the opportunity to work with other organizations and seeing how they do certifications and go, oh, that's not very good. Just having a bunch of people in a room writing some stuff and no analysis. It's like, that's really not a valid test format. So it, it's good that, you know, you're still continuing that, um, that uh, policy of, you know, doing the analysis. And I mean, it makes it valid. I mean, it really, you're actually demonstrating some, at least some requisite knowledge. From the individuals, uh, Joe, you're, you're at your wrap-up time. I can already tell. So we'll yeah, well, you... yeah, well, I'm the one supposed to say that. So all right. So, <laughs> so um, what I'm looking for is, is something that uh, explains why you have felt that NATCA is such a special uh, organization. So I know that you guys have dedicated, uh, you know, a, a chunk of your lives and uh, not just helping, um, you know, the the end user, the people, the occupants, but you actually feel that this is a great organization. So why don't you share with us um, as to why you got attracted to this group and why you feel as though this is something that others should be reaching out to and connecting with you guys, whether it's membership, it's using your standards or coming to some of your events. Jody, you want to start us off? Oh, so um, let's see, I, you know, I was selected by the NATCA Executive Committee in 2012 to run the organization when they made a change uh, from their original management company, uh, who they, they had been with for 23 years, who I was obviously very familiar with. And so, you know, my goal when I came on board was really just to take what was there, refine it, make it um, build process and procedure and, and start focus, focusing on the legitimacy of it. So the board that was in place at that time, they went through quite something during the transition. It was not pretty. Um, in keeping with NADCA's history, nothing about it was, I mean, it was pretty much in line with what you would expect from the organization. And so watching them be so passionate about their industry, I mean, because I, I do association management, right? So I have a career 25 years in managing associations like NADCA. Um, and so watching these volunteers be so engaged and so committed to the industry, 
am passionate about making people understand that what they're doing is really important and that um, they care, you know, about the industry and not just their own personal business. They give up their time. They give up knowledge. You know, they're sharing stuff with their competitors on the street and they're helping them be better at what they do, even though it might help them win a, you know, a job, but together they're working to, to make the industry better. And so for me to be a part of that in, in any way to help them execute what they see for their industry and association is the reason that I do what I do. I mean, I'm an association management for the cause. And so their passion is really, um, it's contagious. Well, one thing I have learned from working with other associations for in your role that if you're not happy with them or you don't feel as though they're, you know, um, above board or, or doing well, that usually you're looking for another job. So it sounds as though you have found a place that you believe in. So that's great to hear. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, Mark, why have you uh, taken time out of your, I know one of the things that happens when you're a president is you, it's a, it's a loss. You're actually losing time from your own business, your own time, your own family. So tell us why you felt this was such an important thing to commit to. I think it is, is because I like, when I first ran for the board as a volunteer, well, I was actually volunteering committees well before that, but I learned so much in the beginning. I realized I didn't know how to clean ductwork properly. And I joined back in the early nineties. And from that point onward, as Jody had mentioned, you kind of stole my thunder there, Jody, but to repeat a few things, basically the, the, the passion of quite a few of the people in here, Bob Krell, for instance, uh, was he doesn't know it, but he's one of my mentors. Uh, the, 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 the guy is a wealth of information and he makes this information that can be extremely dull and mundane to many people, extremely exciting. Uh, and uh, you, you know, you want to, to, to learn more. Um, and as I went up and became more successful in the business, I realized that I, I think I owed it a, de owed a debt to, to pay back. So I started volunteering. I started working up. I was asked to join the board of directors. I enjoyed uh, being a, an officer and then becoming a director, becoming a, you know, going through the secretary and, and, and all the roles. And boy, you know, we're not just a bunch of duck cleaners. This is a very complicated, intertwined, well-oiled machine. And going through this process uh, made me just feel so grateful for all the, our forefathers that started uh, our, 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 our association way back in, in the day. And uh, to, to, to become president, to be, to be elected is such an honor uh, to, to be uh, just, I, I'm, I'm speechless actually, but it's a, uh, it's a pleasant experience. I don't think it's taking away from my business at all. Uh, I am extremely business, I'm extremely busy with business. I can't even say that, extremely busy with my business right now. Uh, but there's always time for NACA uh, and there always will be. And when I'm long gone, I, I intend to continue to volunteer in some capacity as well. I just think it's a wonderful, great group of individuals, volunteers, and the people I meet, I learn so much from even, even today. Excellent. Well, um, we, um, I sincerely hope for your success in your events. And uh, I do think you guys are gaining a lot of traction and that if people are doing anything with ducks, they are referring to you, they're referring to your members. Um, and um, that is something that will only become a, a more standard. We, we have, uh, uh, I think in the last 10 years, addressed that if you're going to do something, what standards are you following? And um, that those are things that, do, and you don't have 
um, really any uh, uh, false competition or much competition at all in terms of if somebody's cleaning ducks and they're not using their standard, then who knows what they're doing. They're just kind of making it up as they go. So congratulations on creating an, uh, an industry niche that's been missing for a while um, So and keeping it uh, only becoming better and better. Thank you. And I, to both of you, you know, I, I really appreciate the work that you continue to do there. And, uh, you know, I am humbled by those kind words, Mark. I'm serious. And, and you don't, I never say stuff like that. So that's uh, actually, uh, but I, I have to just, you know, I started early on. I was 29 when I walked into that boardroom. And uh, I learned from a lot of people in the industry that knew stuff. And uh, shout out to a man who I'm sure has long since departed, uh, uh, Faye Hoot Gibson. He, uh, he was a mechanical duct cleaner, mechanical, I forget, it was mechanical systems in uh, Wisconsin. And uh, he used to do hospitals. And, and we started, we actually, once I started my own firm in 1990, I actually started doing hospital work. I went right from working in somebody else's company to going after big boy jobs. Um, and his, he gave this advice. That I just have to pass this on. Because I asked him, I said, you know, like, how, how do you learn how to do this stuff? And he goes, you know, Bob, you, you got to buy your education. Like, what does that mean? And he was just at retirement age. So he was about 65 at that point. And he goes, you know, you're going to go out there. You're going to do stuff. Some of it's going to be good. Some of it's going to be really stupid. It's going to cost you money. It's going to be a big problem. You're going to get people upset. You're going to learn from that. And then you're going to keep doing it. And he goes, and I go, so like, he goes, yeah, it never ends. Never ends. If you're not constantly pushing forward and improving, you're not, you know, you're going to keep buying your education. And, sure. uh, you know, and I think, I hats off to you guys to, to actually, uh, you know, what you're doing to continue to push that forward. And it'd be nice if some other, you know, service areas in the indoor environmental industry ha had an equal passion. I'll just leave it at that. And Jody, you know, again, your job is there's nothing easy about that. Uh, you know, having, having to be in that seat and wrangle cats effectively, you know, because and I think people, a lot of people that haven't served on volunteer organization boards don't understand really how it works, especially on a national or international level. There's a lot of time expectations, but it's a room full of people that have their own companies, mostly entrepreneurs, mostly people that all think they know what they're doing and they're used to giving orders, not working collectively with others. You know, and, and again, so it's hard to get a group of people together that can actually work and they're doing it voluntarily, you know, mm -hmm. so that's, they're not getting paid for that. You know, really and good. you and you have to manage that. <laughs> That's it's not an easy task. So, you know, congrats on on what you've done so far. Um, tomorrow, really looking forward to uh, what we'll be doing together. Uh, but you know, before before we sign off here, you know, Joe Joe sits there uh, with a logo over his head, and there's a reason for that. Tell us about Hayward Score. So yeah, so I'm a healthy building scientist with Hayward Score. Uh, you can go online to uh, HaywardScore.com uh, uh, and. We not only have a, a survey that helps educate homeowners about their house and whether it's keeping them healthy or impacting their health, but there's we have so much resources in terms of not just COVID advice, but just general healthy home advice and uh, a lot of stuff that we try not to repeat the same generic stuff that's out there. Um, so we try and find stuff that's unique that actually will be benefit uh, you from um, you know anything you're doing in your life, so your habits to actually the conditions in your home we have really great uh, resources for you to figure out how you can make your environment healthier. And uh, along those lines, Healthy Indoors, if you're not currently uh, getting your free subscription, you should be because uh, we're selling free subscriptions. Uh, um, so we, you know, we've been going since 2013. We have just started our eighth year. Uh, we are a digital publication monthly, print publication quarterly, and soon to be a online uh, global edition 
uh, that'll be, you know, we keep, we've been teasing it for like a month and a half now. It's, it's, uh, a, the new publication will be coming out shortly, our debut issue. And uh, we'll be uh, having a more global centric on that quarterly digital. It'll also be a free edition, though. Um, so, uh, yeah, this this month's issue, or last month's now, uh, September, I was talking about Legionella and how there's potentially a bigger issue of that in, uh, in your uh, buildings now with the COVID shutdowns and startups. You can see the Healthy Indoors show live every week uh, on HealthyIndoors.com on that tab. Or you can catch it on any number of outlets, uh, Facebook, streams, uh, YouTube, we're all over the place. Um, and you can also catch any of the recordings. And if you can't bear to look at Joe and I's faces for 60 minutes, you're welcome to watch or listen to our podcast while you're driving or more likely staying home, uh, still waiting for your job to open up again. Uh, but there, that, that's your opportunities for that. Um, again, shout out to Mark and Jody for coming here and taking time out of your day uh, when you have an event starting tomorrow. Uh, so that's I know you don't have a lot of extra minutes in today. So thank you so very much for being here. My pleasure. Having us. Really appreciate and, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll talk more. Well, soon actually. So sure. tomorrow, those of you who haven't registered, uh, if you have an interest in, uh, in air duct cleaning and some of the great technical content that NADCA has coming up tomorrow, they have still an opportunity to take the uh, preparatory class for ASCS or CVI certifications. Mm -hmm. You still have to take the exam, but it's, it's a prep class and you can take it online. You don't have to travel for it. Um, and you can also, uh, attend the live virtual event on Saturday. October 3rd uh, from 9.45 a.m. to 6 p.m., right? Got that right. I better get that right. Uh, so you can get go to nadka.com. We'll get you there. That's the easiest, right? I mean, there's a dedicated page, but go to nadka.com. You can register right up to the last minute. That's the great thing. You don't have to get a hotel or get an airline ticket. So we'll see you guys next week. And uh, uh, just a preview of what's coming uh, next Thursday on October 8th. We'll be joined by Linda Reinstein, uh, the founder of the Asbestos uh, Disease Awareness Organization. She's uh, a, been a long-term champion for uh, uh, trying to raise awareness on really the deadly uh, situation that still exists in a lot of our buildings uh, with asbestos. And we'll also be joined by the uh, uh, He's not the CEO. I'm going to, sorry, Brent, but Brent Kynock, who is the uh, chief executive officer, I believe, uh, of uh, the in, uh, Environmental Information Association, uh, EIA. So they'll be with us next week. So anyway, for, uh, for Mark and Jody and, of course, uh, Joe, I'm Bob Krell. Uh, we will see you next week uh, here on the Healthy Indoors Show. Thanks, Bob. Thanks, Joe. Thank you.